Lord, we thank you. Come on, say it one more time. Just thank him ahead of time. There, you, you look at that thing and you think there's no possible way. Just go ahead and stretch out in faith this morning and say, thank you. And say it out of your mouth that I'm debt free. See, that's half the battle right there. Just saying it out of your mouth. I'm debt free. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Don. <clears throat> Thank you, guys. That was good this morning. Take your Bibles. Stand to your feet or your iPhone if you got your iPhone or your, God forbid, you got an Android. Cornell strayed, has strayed from the body, and, but now he's coming back. He's asked for forgiveness like the prodigal son. He wants to come back to an iPhone. I said, well, we've prayed for you that your soul not be discouraged. Amen. Take your Bibles and just let's just declare it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare this morning that I am what this says I am. You say that I am. I can do what you say I can do. And I can have what you said I could have. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am more than a conqueror. I'm not just a conqueror. More than a conqueror. I am... A six-second first-round knockout conqueror. I am a six-second first-round knockout conqueror. <laughs> Let me say this before we go any further. Because this, uh, this whole service this morning has been basically a prelude to the message. But confession is not for the enemy. Confession is for you to build yourself up in the realities of heaven so that when it comes time for you to put your foot on his head, you're built up where you can do it. See, because for you and I to enforce what God has told us to enforce, we need to confess to ourselves and to each other to build ourselves up that I am a six-second, first-round, knockout conqueror. That he's already fought my battle. That I am victorious before the battle even starts. I am smart because I have the mind of Christ. I am strong because the greater one lives in me. And I have the ability to do anything and everything through him that lives in me. And now I believe I will receive everything you have for me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. We've been, we've been taking the journey. Have you all enjoyed this journey? I've enjoyed it. So for the three of you all that said yes, I, that's four of us. I've enjoyed it greatly. <clears throat>
Thank you, brother. And in, I guess, in um, the spirit of this journey, I, I was reading something, and I, I'm sorry, I just got to read this to you. Some of you may have already seen it, but, you know, when you're, when you're pregnant, and I feel like we're pregnant, I feel like we're birthing something that the Lord is desiring for us to birth as a, as a church, but... In the spirit of that, I read this thing on Facebook, and so I wanted to read this to you. This is called Pregnancy Questions and Answers. Are you ready? This one, the first one said, should I have a baby after 35? The gynecologist said, no, 35 children is plenty. I'm two months pregnant now. When will the baby move? The gynecologist said, with any luck, right after he finishes college. <laughs> this is great. What is the most reliable method to determine baby's sex? <laughs> it's a childbirth. <laughs> My wife is five months pregnant and so moody that sometimes she's borderline irrational. So what's your question again? My childbirth instructor says it's not pain. It'll feel like that I feel during labor, but pressure. Is that right? Yes, in the same way that a tornado might be called an air current. This is my favorite. What is the best time to get an epidural? Right after you find out you're pregnant. <laughs> oh, Mark eleven twenty three. That's where we're going to begin this morning. Mark eleven twenty three, and then I want you to turn to Second Kings chapter six. Second Kings chapter six. We've been taking a journey, and we've been kind of following. Well, we're not kind of. We've been following the, the first couple of days of Jesus' last week. 2 Kings chapter 6 and Mark eleven twenty three. I want to read this and then we're going to kind of jump back and forth. And I've got a few things I want to say and then we'll, we'll see what the Lord wants to do from there. But Mark eleven twenty three, And so we talked last, not last week, but the week before, we talked about how that what the fig tree represented and how it was the religious system of the world, it was the religious bondage of the old covenant, and it was a symbol of the fact that Jesus was now stipulating the old is over with and the new has come. There's a new covenant. There's a new, there's a new plan. And, uh, you know, as I was getting ready for this, I was thinking of the fact of what, a, what, a, what that tree really represents, the fig tree. And I thought to myself, what came up in me was, you can't climb a mountain chained to a tree. The reason Jesus cursed the fig tree is because religion always holds you back and forever covers the glory that God wants to reveal. Nothing compares to the glory that shall be revealed. So in other words, there's a revealing of His glory and religion holds you down in order for you not to experience that glory. Because the more that the manifest glory of God that is in you begins to manifest in the natural realm, it will not only change natural circumstances and the physical realm that we live in, but guess what? It will change people. It gets on people. 
If you are leaking everywhere, if you're just drenched in water, and every person you touch and every person you hug, they're going to get wet. And so the manifest glory of God inside of each and every one of us, manifesting itself, that's the glory that he's talking about shall be revealed. They couldn't see it. They didn't have the eyes to see the glory which shall be revealed. And there is a glory inside of you in spite of you, in spite of everything you think, that when you manifest that glory, it gets off on people. It does. But religion wants to hold you back. So Mark eleven twenty three. 23, so Jesus spoke to the fig tree and he cursed it. Now we're going to pick up in this journey and go back the next day, okay? So he, he goes, he curses the fig tree, goes to the, to the temple, cleanses out the temple. We talked about that two weeks ago. We know what that is. Thank you, brother. Verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw, everybody say they, I'm already, I can't even. They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. See, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what people are doing around you. When you're walking in step with the king, people will see what God is doing in your life. People will see. They saw. Jesus spoke. They saw. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, teacher, that's what that meant. Father is what it really, it wasn't a teacher in the sense of teaching in a classroom setting. There was a relational connection. And he goes, Father, teacher, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now listen to me. I don't care where you, if you don't like writing in your Bible, then that's fine. Get you another Bible and write in it. But Jesus answered, saying that I want you to underline, highlight, asterisk, superstar, emoji smile, have faith in God. I want you to do that in your Bible. Because I want you to say, I want you to, I'm setting you up for something. This is the key. They said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree is dead. And he turns and looks to them and says, if you speak to it, it will die. Is that what he said? No. What was the first thing he said? If you believe, no, he said, if your confidence is in God, he said, have faith in God. In other words, don't try to get tripped up on the 16 steps to declaring your mountain being gone. Don't get tripped up on the 14 steps you need to take to be debt free. Don't get tripped up on the nine things you need to do before you cast a demon out of somebody. Have faith in God. He said, my sheep know my voice. I was listening to something this week. He said, my sheep know my voice. See, you don't train yourself. You're not trained. You don't purposely try to train yourself to hear your father's voice. You just know your father's voice. So when you get born again, you're grafted. The old man's died. The new man's come. Come on, somebody. And so now you know his voice. Why? Because you heard him call you to come up and get saved. So you got saved. You know his voice. So he's saying the key to being able to do this is what? Have faith in God. 
For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. There are some things in your life, are you ready? Listen to me. There are some things in your life and my life that are not going anywhere, that are not going to die just because you got faith in God. Now, that was worth every one of us coming to church this morning. And I just saw that. The faith in God is wonderful. It's like the lion of the tribe of Judah. And we worship the Lord and we say, Lord, you are the lion. You go before us and you fight our battles. And he's like, yes, I'm glad you got that. Now, let's move on to chapter 2. Chapter 2 is now you speak to this mountain. Are you following me? So Jesus spoke to the fig tree. They come back and everybody sees that it's dying from the roots. So the, the, the manifestation of what he spoke out of his mouth is there. They can't, now listen, people can't argue with results. You can't argue with results. So they couldn't argue with it. And he said to them, have faith in God. And he said, assuredly, so that's the number one thing, have faith in God. So assuredly, I say to you. And then it's almost like I feel like, now this is my interpretation. I feel like Jesus looked around and looked for the biggest mountain he could find. Because mountain represents obstacles. Some of you got obstacles in your life this morning, and you need them removed. And your faith in God... Your faith in God is not enough to remove that mountain. Why? Because it's not enough in the sense that the power is not there. It must be released. I got a friend of mine. We text, we argue text. What would you call that? Text it, text arguing, arguing text or whatever. We argue over the, we just, you know, sharpening one another. And his, his side is so much grace that it's almost like it alleviates our responsibility. And I was like, no, 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 no. Grace is the enabling power that God gives us so that we can obey and do what he said do. It's not a works. It's the power to do the works. And so he looks at this mountain and he says, Surely I say to you that whosoever says to this mountain... Guys, there are things in our lives that are never going to go anywhere until we speak to them. We always thought confession, you remember back 15, 20 years ago, confession was such a big, you know, we had the confession police. Man, I just feel terrible. Don't say that. Don't say you feel terrible. And, you know, that kind of got, you know, just like anything in charismatic circles where you go from one extreme to the other. But there's a balance to where you encourage one another and you strengthen one another. See, confession is for you. Confession is for you. It's for others. It's to build yourselves up to such a degree that when it comes time for you to look at that fig tree or that mountain and tell it to be removed, you're there. Not because you've worked yourself up to there, but because you've allowed what God has said about you to build yourself up in the natural so that you can accomplish what he wants you to do in the supernatural. 
So Jesus looks at the mountain. And he says, have faith in God. If any of you says to this mountain, could you imagine? Jesus, come on. I mean, it's one thing for you to occur. I mean, we amazed at the fig tree. Maybe it was that tall. Maybe it was bigger. Big old fig tree, whatever. I mean, we're amazed that you did that. And now you're saying, I mean, they were shocked at the fig tree. And now he points to the mountain. Because God's always, because Jesus was always trying to get us to see something beyond ourselves. Listen, he's trying to get you and I to see something beyond where we're at. And he simply said, if you have faith in God, you will say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, why would you doubt in your heart? If you got faith in God, why would you doubt in your heart? You wouldn't. Listen to me. It's, it, the power is not in your words. The power is released by your words. The power is in your faith in God. That's how, come, that, that's how come Moses stuck his rod in. All he did was obey. His faith was not in the ability of himself to part the Red Sea. His faith was in God's ability to just simply do what he said do. There are things in your life and my life that God is pressing on us to say, okay, are you ready? I want you to speak to this thing. And you and I get to that place and we speak to it. It's not in our words it's the power that's released by our word. We're a conduit. So the power that lives within us is released through our words. Are you following me? There are some things in our lives that are never going to go anywhere until we speak to it. And I'm telling you, even... I'm telling you, I'm, people that have, that have walked and lived in charismatic, non-denominational church, Presbyterian, Catholic... Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal circles, we still have a hard time with this aspect because the enemy's got us bound up with, mm, I don't know if I got that kind of power. You don't. The power's in you. It's not in how many confessions. Jesus said it once. It's releasing the power through your words. Some of you got mountains this morning. Where are they going to go? Listen, sometimes, okay, look, Mark 4, don't turn there, Mark 4, 35. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And you know the story, the storms and the wind and everything. And they got scared. Jesus is asleep in the boat. And Jesus get, and they said, Master, Master, don't you care? We're going to die. And Jesus stood up and he told the wind and the waves to shut up. Sometimes the storms in your life are not going to shut up till you tell them to shut up. See, it was almost like Jesus was a righteous indignation. Jesus stood up and he said, all right, you've messed around long enough. See, sometimes you're going to have to rebuke the storms in other people's lives. Mm. Because they're not there yet. But you, that's what we're called to do, to carry one another's burdens. I mean, I'll be the first, I, I, I've been the first one to tell the elders. I'll be the first one to tell our team, guys, I'm tired. Will you help, will you stand with us? And there's something about standing together where y'all just look at that thing and you, now instead of one, you got, you know, 12 people and you go, shut up. And that thing calms down. 
Sometimes in our lives, we're going to have to declare things for those that are following us because they're not there yet. But it doesn't mean that they can't get there. And Jesus used it as an opportunity and he said, where's your faith? It's interesting, he didn't say, where's your words? He said, where's your faith? Why? Because if your faith is in God and your trust is in God. In other words, your faith, the word faith is pistis, which means a firm persuasion. It's what you believe. You believe in God and you believe that He is able and that He wants to. Your firm foundation in that will enable you to just, it'll come out of you. So when the storm rises against you in your life for the thing that God has told you to come, let's go to the other side, and you're going to the other side, and the storm is there, it rises up in you to go, hush. Like T.D. Jake said, peace, be still. And he said the wind and the waves were slain in the spirit. There are mountains in your life and my life that will never be moved until we speak to them. There are storms in our life that will never calm down until we tell it to calm down. Why? Because it must be released. The, 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 the belief in your heart, listen to me, the love and the faith in your heart, it's not enough. It must be released. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. How many of you go days and weeks and months without saying, I love you? I don't have to say, I love you. She knows it's in my heart. I don't know about you, but I got a house full of women, and that does not fly with us. I mean, I can't even get out the room unless I have one more night-night sugar. And then if I'm walking down the steps and they say, I love you, Daddy, and I didn't hear him, I love you, Daddy. Daddy, I love you too. Well, it should be enough. I mean, why come? God knows I love him. Why do I have to lift my hands in worship. Because you're speaking to the mountains when you lift your hand. Mm. Because when you lift your hands and you say, Father, you are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You go before me. You fight my battles. You're declaring with your mouth the storms in your life to shut up. It's not by might. It's not by power. No, you just simply declare it with your mouth. You fight my battles. And what are you doing? Not only are you confessing it, but you're declaring it. So you're building in yourself a consciousness that when you leave here, he's fighting your battles. And while you're sitting here listening to me, he's fighting your battles. You're developing such a consciousness so when you show up tomorrow and the mountain looks bigger, you can go, mm-mm, he's fighting my battles. Bye-bye. Bye, Felicia. Why? Because the, the consciousness that is in you because of your confession, because of what you've been reading, because of what you've been meditating on, because you come to church and you fellowship with other believers and you lift your hands together corporately and there's a corporate anointing that says he's fighting our battles, you're going to leave here going, I'm the lion of the tribe of Judah and he can't do nothing. It's not enough just to have it in here. you got to release it. I'm reminded of the, uh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm reminded of the verse in Proverbs that says um, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. You keep all that stuff inside of you and you don't ever let it out and release it, you're going to get sick. Release it. Well, I don't know if I believe it. Okay, here's how you determine if you believe it or not. Have you heard? Have you heard it? And do you accept it as truth? Yes. 
then you believe it. The question is not whether or not you believe it. The question is, are you governing your life by what you believe or by what you feel and what you see? See, guys, listen, he's raising up an army. We're an army. i got to take this jacket off. It's hot. We're, he's raising up an army, which means that he's calling you and me to go into battle and to not look at the circumstances. He doesn't want us to look at the things which are seen. He wants us to look at the things which are unseen. Why? Because there's people following us that's looking at us, and we've got to teach them. You can't go into battle and be like, oh, and they're, they're saying, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And Jesus wakes up and goes, I don't know, somebody called the Coast Guard. You can't be, you and I can't be like that. We've got the same power, the same authority, and you and I have to release it. Some of you have never spoke to the things in your life. When I was getting ready for this, the Lord said to me, some of you have never opened your mouth and said, die. Well, I can't, you know, I can't help it. I, I'm, I'm addicted. You need to look at that thing and you need to say, die. I curse you. Well, you don't understand how much debt I'm in. Mountains represent obstacles. Mountains represent what? Boundaries. Some of you think you're never going to get to the next level. And you need to look at that mountain and you need to say, I tell you to be thou removed and be cast in the sea. See, Jesus didn't continually speak to it. He spoke to it one time and one time only. And then what happened? It died. It didn't look like it was, I'm, I'm sure that sometimes we think of uh, what's going on with Jesus. Sometimes we think, well, he's going he's gonna to look at something, he's going to curse it, and then it's just going to implode on itself and set on fire right there and just die. I mean, just like something out of Hollywood, you know, I curse you, and it just goes. That's not how it happened. Why? Because that's so much spectacular that you miss the supernatural. See, the things in this world, in the natural are patterned after the things in the Spirit. So you and I speak in the Spirit, by the Spirit. That thing which is bound by time has to line itself up with the Spirit, which is not bound by time. So when you say, I'm debt free, even though you got $100,000 worth of debt, you're telling the natural to line up with what's already been made available in the Spirit. Yeah. It's all, because when God sees it, He sees all of it. That's why you can say, I am the righteousness of Christ. Why? Because your actions are a reflection of your righteousness in Christ? No, because the manifestation of the reality of your righteousness has already been made available in you, through you, and for you. And the manifestation of that righteousness comes in phases. Because God is a God that calls things that be not as though they were. If we could get that... We, we'd be in a whole nother solar system. 2 Kings chapter 6. This is one of my favorite. It's very short. Just the passage that we're going to read. 2 Kings chapter 6. Now listen. The king of Syria is coming against Israel. I mean, newsflash. Somebody's coming against, you know, Jewish people. When you stand up and you say, I'm going to serve the Lord, if you think for one second 
that the enemy is going to leave you alone, you're sadly mistaken. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like, you know, the, the stronger you get, it seems like the more onslaught. But that's the whole idea because he's trying to get you to turn loose of what God has put in you. So the Israelites are there. The army of Syria is coming against them. Chapter 6, we're going to begin with Let's just begin with verse 9. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us... Is for the king of Israel. So Elisha is being downloaded because he's a prophet. He's being downloaded the plans of the enemy. Mm. He's being downloaded the plans of the enemy. So he tells his servant who tells, listen, the servant is the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. The servant is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit goes and tells them, the king of Israel, hey, look, the enemy's going to come after you right here. Not once, not twice. But three, four, five, however many times it was. He just wanted to make sure we knew this wasn't just one or two things. This had to be at least three, if not more times. And every time he did that, the king would get frustrated because he said, it's like they know what we're doing before we do it. Duh. And he could not figure it out. So he calls his servant, which one of y'all is a traitor? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. See, the enemy, it doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what he says to you in your bedroom. The Holy Spirit already knows it. It doesn't matter what he's telling your co-worker or your boss to try to plot against you or the people. Listen, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. But the enemy knows how to work that. And so, but the Holy Spirit knows how to get it to you. And one, and so he said, go and see where he is, that I may send him, that I may get him. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to pull him over to his side so he can start hearing these things. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. I, was, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I mean, this is one man. I mean, this must, listen to me, this must be pretty substantial intel that Elisha is getting because he, he didn't send, you know, Navy SEALs. He wanted to make a statement. So he got the 32nd Airborne, right? And the 51st Tactical Squad. And he halo-dropped all of them and the armies and the tanks and everybody. He's wanting to make sure... But I often wonder, this guy, this king must have known something. Because it's like, you're arrogant enough, you're scared enough that you send in the whole army, but you're arrogant enough to think you're going to win. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, listen to me, he went out. Where did he go out from? The place where they were staying. The servant, right? The servant of the man of God rose up early. See, the Holy Spirit's always getting up before you do. 
And he, he went out and saw the chariot surrounding him. And his servant said to him, so he comes back, right? So Elisha's inside the house. The servant goes out early in the morning and he sees all this and he comes back to where? To the house, to the inside. And he says, alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now see, I'm of the persuasion that I believe that Elisha was inside his house. He didn't even have to go outside and look. How did he know? How did he know that those that are with us are more than those with them? Because he was tapped into a level of spiritual awareness where he could see without having to see. Elisha knew that when he answered the assignment from the Lord, that all of heaven was behind him. But what can man do to me? But see, his servant, once again, the people following you, but they, they, they may not see. They're like, oh my gosh, we're surrounded. Oh my gosh, we got all this going. And Elisha said, I almost get the picture that Elisha is sitting, drinking his coffee in his recliner, reading his... I would say reading his paper, but flipping through Instagram, seeing what out there, you know, Joyce Myers saying this, and this pastor saying this, just encouraging himself, reading his Bible. What are we going to do? They're surrounding us. And it's almost like he picks up his coffee, takes him a drink, sets it back down and says, don't worry, don't fear not. So the first thing he did was address the fear. Where's the fear coming from? The fear is coming from the fact that you're looking at things that are seen and you're not looking at things which are unseen. And he said, fear not. It's like he had a confidence. He knew that when you do what God's called you to do, you got all of heaven behind you. But Elijah didn't leave him there. Elijah prayed and said, Lord, grant unto thy servant that with all boldness he may speak the word. Is that what he said? No. Grant unto thy servant that with all boldness he may study the word of God to know deeper and greater revelation so that he won't be so scaredy cat when they show up. Is that what he said? No, what did he say? Listen, what did he say? I'm praying for you this morning and for us that he will open our eyes. See, because you and I look at the things in the natural and we go, mm, it looks terrible. Lord, open our eyes. There's so much greater beyond what you can see. It's, it's what you see by the Spirit. Lord, grant unto thy servant that with all boldness he may launch out and declare the 15 scriptures that he memorized so that they may, no, that's not what he said. He didn't say that. Lord, grant unto thy servant that he may get born again. No, that's not what he said. Lord, grant unto thy servant that he may summon within himself the mighty power. Of... That's not what he said. I propose to you that the reason sometimes we're in the situations that we're in and the fear that comes upon us is because we don't see. We're not seeing it. One of my fathers in the faith, Dad Hagen said that him and Miss Aretha, his wife, were walking up to their front porch, and she was aggravated at him. And she said, I believe 
If us and the kids drop down, fall down dead right here on the front porch, you wouldn't worry a lick about it. And he said, I sure wouldn't. What difference would it make to worry about it after y'all dead? It just, you could just tell it just irritated her even more. Because he saw. Because he sees. There's a perception in the spirit that we need in these last days. To where we can look at situations. If that thing in your life that's bothering you. If you're really free from it, then why is it that you're so touchy when somebody comes around it? Why? Because maybe we've had a fainted heart. Maybe we've had discouragement. I'm telling you this morning, ask the Lord to open your eyes. The thing that's got you in bondage, the thing that's tormenting you, that's surrounding you at night, or in the morning, and you go to sleep and you know you're surrounded, you wake up in the morning, and the first thing your flesh tells you is you're surrounded. I'm asking you to ask the Lord and agree with me that He opened our eyes. We need sight. We need vision. We need a perception in these days, right now, where we can see clearly and stop looking at the things that are so natural. So he said, Lord, open the eyes of the young man. And what did he do? Sometimes the eyes that need to be opened for the people in your life are only going to be open when you ask the Lord to open the eyes. That's what prophecy does. Prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when you speak, their eyes are open. This morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. When you have a tongue and interpretation in a group setting like this, that's what happened. There was a tongue and an interpretation. Why did the Lord choose to do that? Because He's choosing to do that because it's a gift and a sign of the Spirit. So He said, through tongues, through some... I heard the Lord say this as I was given the interpretation and I got done. I said, Lord, I feel like there's something else. You know? And even one more, so I said, Lord, I feel like there's something else. And the Lord said, there is. Ask them to listen and say, Lord, what did you say to me? What did you interpret? That's right. That is a sweet sound right there. She, gonna, she saw something. Listen to me, sometimes you and I are just one declaration away from breakthrough. Sometimes we're just one moment away. See, we can't see, so how can you declare something if you can't see it? And you're blinded and you're surrounded by the enemies. And, you, and it's such a, you can't say, well, bless God, just have faith. It's real because fear is tangible. It's a fleshly thing. It's, I mean, I have, to get, I have to get to hold, is what I like to say. My, what my father's in the faith used to say. I have to get to hold to myself sometimes. Because the fear, will, it's like if you crack that door open, a legion of, of demons and spiritual forces will come in and try to overwhelm you with fear. 
That's the number one thing that Jesus battled with his people was fear. Every time the man showed up, he had to say, fear not. Fear not. Fear not for those that are with us are more than those that are with them. Listen to me. Those that are with you are more than those that are, with, that are against you. I mean, let's just take for the sake that the enemy, when he fell, he took one-third of the angels. I mean, let's just say he took all the angels. Really, all the angels? Is that enough force to overpower God? No, see, he didn't say, this is what's great. He didn't say that all of the angelic forces are behind you. He said, I'm for you. They got to do what I say. And them down there, sure enough, got to bow. That's why I believe when he said, look at this mountain. It was like, I mean, come on, Jesus, you can't go in stages. I mean, you can't say, okay, this little hill. He goes from a fig tree to an instrument. I mean, at least with a fig tree, you could get a chainsaw. <coughs> I believe some of the mountains in this earth, all the nuclear weapons in the world may blow them up. But he simply says, if you have, in, the, in another gospel, he said, if you, have, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. We thinking it's taking all this faith. He said, have faith in God. That's it. So you got faith in God? Everybody got faith in God? Right? You got faith in God. Well, then just look at that mountain and say, look, I don't even understand it, but bye. I got faith in God. No, I believe you develop in your faith. I believe you strengthen your faith. But I believe the development and the strengthening of your faith is for other people. If you, after walking with God, if you and I are walking with God for 30 years, and at the end of 30 years, we take a checklist from God, and He says, okay, I'm going to find out where you're at. Let's just take a spiritual litmus test. Where, how are you doing? And you say, well, I'm believing God for my rent. I'm believing God for my car payment. I believe, God. I believe the Lord's going to look at us and go, listen, I didn't give you that faith just so you can use it all on yourself. The highest level, the greatest level of faith is for what? For others. Jesus had greater faith than all of us. And he said to us, greater things that you'll do in my name than even I did. How? Because faith is for not just for yourself, it's for others. You got to get yourself to the place where you can curse the fig tree so that when you show up to the mountain, you can look at that mountain and go, the same faith that supplied me with that $100 bill is the same faith that I'm going to be able to believe for everybody's bills to be gone. There's something about physical obedience to the unction on the inside See, because then what, then what happened? Let's wrap it up. Then what happened to the story? So when the Syrians came down, so the servants saw the armies that are with them that were overpowering them, and so they was like, but the armies of Syrians still came down. See, that's why it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be formed. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be pointed, cocked, and ready to fire. It doesn't mean that the trigger's not going to be pulled. It just means that when it pulls the trigger, it's going to be like, click, click. So here they are. They're surrounded, and the servant sees that they're surrounded by these angelic forces because the angelic forces has to obey God's word, which we release by our words. Uh-uh. 
See, we don't see when we speak, we don't see into the spiritual realm what happens in the spiritual realm. All right, in the name of Jesus, I declare that all this debt that we have is debt-free and we're paid for in Jesus' name. You don't see the host and legion of angelic forces that are, that are moving in the spirit right now to make that thing happen in your life and bring it to pass. And you don't know that the Holy Spirit's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Number one, when you leave here, this is what you're going to do. And you wake up in the morning, he goes, okay, here's what you're going to do. You ready? Let's do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. We just flippantly say stuff and then we walk away and we don't ever go back to the fig tree. Hmm. Jesus passed back by. Why? Why did Jesus pass back? Because he wanted to check and make sure that he... No, he passed back by for them. He passed back... I, I believe he passed back by with intentionality. I believe that if he'd have walked up in it, he, and, it, and it wasn't... Dem, listen to me. And it wasn't demonstrating the degree of dying that he expected in his heart. I believe Jesus would have looked at it and said, What did you think I was kidding? Thank you, Lord, that I spoke to that thing and it's dead. It's dying. See, it died from the, it's dying from the roots. Why? Because if you go spray, see, my dad's in, uh, in the aquatic weed control business. He's been doing it for 20-something years. We've been spraying ponds and everything. You can spray something all day long, and it turned brown and looked like it's going to die. Boy, you wait till spring hits. These chemicals that we spray, spray on the plants, they've got to get into the roots, into the digestive system of the plant in order for the plant to die. Because if you just burn off the leaves, guess what? It's going to come back. He knew that just the superficial dying, he said, mm -mm, if I kill this thing from the root, that's why he said, no man shall eat of you anymore. And that thing began to die from the root right then and there. So when the Syrians came down, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So let me, let, me, let me conclude. Let me say it this way. There are things in your life that are never going to die until you speak to it. There are mountains in your life that are never going to go anywhere until you speak to it. But there's another aspect. There are things in your life that you and I will never know how to attack or what to say or how to say it if we don't see. Lord, give us sight. If you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, and every time some financial thing, some natural thing, some ailment comes up in your body, and you automatically revert back to day one when you became a Christian, we, we got some things we need to, we need to talk about. Because as a, as, a, as a mature Christian, we should be at a place of growth and development where we can look at that thing and say, it really, doesn't, it really doesn't matter how I feel. It really doesn't matter what it looks like. Because those that are with me are more than those that are with them. How many times have we been around circles in our land, around mountains in our life, and instead of declaring to the mountain, be gone, we're asking the Lord to declare it. Do you see the progression that he's trying? Listen to me. There are people in our life, and you may be one of them. There are people in your life. You may be one of those people that, that aren't ready to declare that thing. Let me say it to you this way. I believe that there's many things in your life that you need to be declared. When you declare salvation, you're declaring death to something. 
It's called if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone. It's gone. It's dead. And the new has come. But there are things in our life that the Holy Spirit is causing us to move forward towards with people behind us that are following us so that we can, that's called discipleship. And sometimes the best thing you can do for someone, even those that are strongest in your life, you just join with them and you say, in the name of, I'm agreeing with you, brother. He just does something. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. I've been walking with the Lord not as long as I probably wanted to have. <laughs> I'm not as strong or as, as, as mature as I would like to be. I'm learning new things every day. But there, even, even, even as long as I've been walking with the Lord and as faithful and, and He's been to me and all that, it still does something to me when someone else says, I'll, I'll believe with you. Boy, it's like... There's, an, there's an, uh, uh, an exponential faith growth in your life that happens because one can put a thousand. So it's like for you and me together, it's like, well, you, we got a thousand people faith, but if I believe with you, it's like that other 9,000, and then I got 9,000, it's like, oh, my God, we can do this thing. We can do this. What is it in your life? What is it in the life of this church. That's the mountain. What is it that's in your life that's the fig tree that's not producing fruit but gives the appearance of fruit and you need to curse that thing? But you're scared to because you don't know if you've got the power in you. You don't know if you should. I mean, heaven forbid, you've never spoke to anything. It's a good place to be. Stand to your feet. Close your eyes. Go back to the things in your life that you've seen the Lord work mightily in you because of your obedience, because you did declare something. Maybe you say, well, I don't have anything. Did you get born again? You know, okay, well, let's start there. The greatest miracle in the world. You believed, you acted, and you spoke, and you declared, and as a result, you became a new creature. And so all of hell has been trying to, trying to attack you. Say, really, you're not free from that. That was just an experience. Yeah, but your life changed in that moment, in that experience. And the reason why the enemy is coming against you is because he knows what works. So take that thing once and for all and hold it up to the Lord. And say by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, you say in Jesus' name, die. You tell that mountain to be gone. Leave. I remove you in Jesus' name. Get out of here. <clears throat> Guys, one declaration away. It's not declaring, 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 declaring. No, no, no. You say it because there's something that happens on the inside of you, the unction of the Holy Spirit, and you declare that thing and power is released. And then you every day, you write that thing down and you every day you thank the Lord. I thank you, Lord, that is the goal. 
I thank you, Lord, that it's gone. I thank you, Lord, that that thing's dead. I thank you, Lord, that that mountain is gone. I thank you, Lord, that I see things more clearly than I've ever saw them before because you're giving me perception. You're giving me the vision to see inside the situation so that I can know that those that are with me are more than those that are against me. And you tell me that that won't help you and I sleep better at night. You tell me that that revelation deep down inside that when we lay our heads down, we've got that same perception and that same confidence that we got faith in God that when we sleep at night, we won't sleep like babies. I believe the reason why it only takes the faith of a mustard seed because God's not in a competition to see who's biggest and baddest. It's the faith of a mustard seed. You plant that mustard seed and you speak to it and you walk away and you declare it and you thank God for it. That thing grows and it will do and produce the fruit in our lives that we're looking for. But it starts with an action. It starts with an obedient, manifest, physical act. Listen, I'm trying to... I, I, I believe... This is, this is not only something that will help you and I. This is something that we, that's mandatory. We need this. This is something that we put in our pocket. And when we go home tonight, we can use it tonight. We can use it in the morning. I know that addiction. I know that, that, that debt. I know that thing is powerful. I mean, it's because it's in the natural and it's very fleshy and it's got a hold of you and you know it and it's like you, you just can't get victory. Stop trying to get victory and start walking in the victory that you've already been receiving. Testimony. you know that um, in December I had an episode with my heart and for the last four months they've been trying to figure it out and figure it out and figure it out and so in that four months I feel like exactly what he's talked about all morning pastors talked about is this fear comes in that one I'm 67 they even one lady said that to me she said, well you're 67 that's what happens and so it's like all these things have come in, and, um, and so I've had all these tests. They can't find anything. But the interesting thing is I've had two major episodes where I felt like I might have a heart attack, and both times I've been laughing. That. And so the Lord just connected that dot for me this morning. But Friday, when I, when I, I check in weekly with my precious spirit-filled cardiologist, and, um, and I just told her, I said, I'm discouraged. You know, I had some angina last night. I was like griping to her, giving her my blood pressures, telling her how sick I was, you know, and all this. And so she called me back about an hour later and she said, she said, Miss Gurr, Dr. Hancock said to tell you this, you have a good heart and you are not gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> and. And in the physical, it, it helped, but in the spiritual, it broke something. 
And, and that whole time, I think he was Elijah. You know, I was fearful. The enemy's coming to get me. I'm going to go home at 68, you know, <laughs> whatever. But he said, don't believe that. Don't believe that. And so I got, and so the night, that night, I had probably the worst night's sleep. Morris had these very violent dreams where he was running toward a pack of dogs. And I feel like the Lord said he was doing battle on your behalf in his dreams. And I didn't shut my, I had one eye open all night because he almost hit me. You know, it was like he was running. His feet were moving, and I went to block his blow. And, and so I was scared to go to sleep. But, but I, I felt like the Lord during the night said, you are healed. You're healed. You are the healed. It isn't like he's in the process of it's already happened, but I had believed it. And so yesterday, I felt great all day. And uh, I did battle this morning with some things, and Mars prayed over me, and that lifted off. But I just want to, I want y'all to stand with me to be strong in this because I don't think there's anything wrong with my heart. I think this has been a battle from the pit. So y'all just, I'm asking y'all to stand with me. Well, Lord, we just stand with her right now in the name of Jesus that even, even in the natural, that it says something that when the doctors can't even find anything wrong with it. That the onslaught of the satanic, demonic force, you know, the enemy trying to come against her for the things that she's doing and trying to accomplish in the spirit, that that's just simply the door, the way that he's trying to use. Lord, I thank you that you, that we stand with her. And we say that those that are with us, Hallelujah, are more than those Amen. that are against us. Amen. Amen. Help all of us in our unbelief mm -hmm. to be in belief. Amen. And we just strengthen her and stand with her and just say, in the name of Jesus, no weapon. Shall prosper in the name of Jesus. That's right. Amen. I actually carried the trash all the way up the driveway here this afternoon. That's a big deal. Y'all know her driveway? That's pretty, that's real big. That'd be a big deal for me. Hallelujah.